Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Let's start all over. Okay. So there's this woman that's being tailgated by this stressed out guy. They're coming to an intersection. The light is turning, and uh, she decides to just stop because she's pretty confident he's going to follow right through, and, and she just is nervous about the whole experience anyway. But that's, this didn't, you know, relieve any stress from the guy behind her. He just gets irate, you know, because she didn't go through because he was in a hurry, and he was just planning on following her through, you know, this. And so he is like, you know, just going berserk back there, you know, uh, just hollering things and making gestures and about that time there's a tap on his window and he looks up and there's this very serious police officer at his window and he you know tells the guy as he rolls down the window to exit his car you know he ends up you know searching his car handcuffing him putting him in the back seat of the patrol car and he sits there for like 30 minutes while this guy is on the phone and on his computer doing the thing and after about 30 minutes the guy you know has him out of the car again and is apologizing he is like sir i am so sorry that this all happened he says but you can understand when I pulled up behind you and you were, you know, cussing this blue streak at this lady and flipping her off and making all these gestures, and on the back of your, you know, on the license plate thing, it said something about, you know, um, Jesus is the way, and you had a bumper sticker that, you know, says, follow me to Sunday school, and another one that says, what would Jesus do, and a, a little, you know, fish um, you know, chrome thing on your sticker. He says, I just assumed somebody stole this car. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's that. The word is gentleness. That's not gentleness, by the way. It's not a picture gentleness. That's the opposite. You know, we're walking through these nine characteristics that the Holy Spirit is wanting to develop in us. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us is just this ability to be gentle. Uh, in the midst of our chaotic world. Uh, there's always going to be buttons that are going to be trying to be pushed in your life, right? Whether you're at home and somebody is trying to push your button or whether you're on, in a car driving down the road, somebody is going to push your button um, or at work or wherever. And they're going to try to get you to behave in a way that is not gentle, but the Holy Spirit is there in your life to try to create this gentleness in you. All of these, these uh, characteristics, in fact, it tells us in Galatians 5, uh, 22, it says, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, you know, self-control. But gentleness, uh, he's trying to develop this in us. What does this look like? You know, what? so far, every time that we talked about one of these characteristics of the Holy Spirit, we've went to the Old Testament and we found somebody there that was just like doing an amazing job, knocking it out of the park in one of these characteristics. And so we look at their life and we just glean from them. And for the most part, it, it was fairly easy to find somebody that was just doing an amazing job. It, the last two... I saved for the last because I kept thinking, I'm surely going to find somebody, you know, that is doing an amazing job at self-control. And 
I just couldn't find it. Not consistently, right? Not like, you know, goodness and Daniel, he was consistent this way because that's why they, they were looking at him and saying they couldn't find anything against this man, you know. And Job, he was patience. I mean, man, he is just an amazing, you know, at all that he went through and everything he went through and how he just hung in there. Remember, patience is, it's like long-suffering. It is like, you know, hanging in there in the midst of it. It doesn't mean that you don't question. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, show some frustration back to God, but it means that you don't bail. You don't throw in the towel. Uh, and so you have this patience that just continues to endure in the midst of, of this. And so he did an amazing job. And so it was easy to find these until I got to, you know, self-control. And I was like, who is doing a great job at this? And I just could not find it. So we went to the opposite, Samson, right? Who was doing a lousy job at this. Um, and then this, this word, gentleness, I just didn't know. I mean, maybe you can tell me after the sermon, this would have been a perfect person. But for the most part, I can find slivers. I can find like these little opportunities, these moments where somebody is showing this. But then, you know, around the corner, around the bend, they're not showing this. And so to find somebody that's super consistent is hard. Gentleness, sometimes it's translated meekness or humility, right? And so you're already thinking, I know somebody that showed humility. I do too. But over and over and over again, you know, every time, Last week I asked you, you know, like, who would you pick, or what would, yeah, what would you pick? And you said self, or, uh, self-control for Father's Day, right? But then I asked you, who would you pick to show that? And I think, maybe it was the Holy Spirit that was in my head, but I thought somebody said Jesus. And I was like, well, but he's not really an Old Testament. But yeah, he really is, right? He, he didn't, that, that division between old and new was, came after, at his death. And so he lived his life. Uh, in, in the Old Testament. And so, man, I, because of that was in my head, I almost was like, we're just going to Jesus <laughs> for this gentleness because he was gentle consistently. But to find somebody else that was like that, that was hard. So gentleness, it's connected with meekness. It's connected with humility. And it is hard to be gentle consistently in this world. Would you not find that to be true? Uh, it's hard to be in a car just like this guy. I mean, I'm just like, boy, you know, could a story like that be told about me? You know, about me losing it behind the wheel. It is easy to let people push your buttons and to get you to behave in, a, in an ungentle way. I want you to know this. Gentleness is not weakness. In fact, gentleness is a sense of strength. Uh, people who are gentle have more strength than people who are not gentle. Um, and so we need to remember that. Gentleness is, you know, uh, evidently it's difficult to perfect, but the Holy Spirit can make us more gentle as we go along. We become, instead of becoming more grouchy <laughs> as the older we get, we can become more gentle if we let the Holy Spirit control us. And we continue to let him build this in us. But I do want to go to the Old Testament. And there's some places that I found 
that's uh, some areas where people are demonstrating this characteristic. And so let's go to them first. Uh, the first one is in Numbers 12, 3. Leading up to this, what you need to know is that this is about Moses, and Moses was facing opposition both from his brother Aaron and his sister Marian, um, Miriam. Uh, and the reason that he was facing opposition is because they were not happy with his choice of wife. Uh, Moses married an, uh, an Ethiopian woman, and I don't know if there was jealousy. Well, there was definitely jealousy, but the, but the reason for that jealousy, I think it was more from Miriam's uh, standpoint that she wanted the power, and she felt like she was losing the power. Anyway, Miriam ends up becoming a leper through this whole thing, right? Uh, not Aaron, but I, I think that's got to do with just the fact that she was an instigator, the one who was starting this whole um, issue, you know, with Moses and his wife. But there was this attitude. So if you can just picture yourself in the midst of something like this, this family uh, squabble, this this somebody from the family wanting to attack your new bride, what would be your response? Definitely a button would be pushed, right? But this was Moses' response in 12.3. It says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And it just showed us that his response wasn't to attack or to, you know, um, use his power because he was the one who was in charge to bring, you know, uh, punishment, although God was the one who punished. And isn't that what the Bible says? Let God do the avenging and not us. But Moses, it says there that he was humble, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. There's a connection there with gentleness. The next one I want to take you to is 2 Samuel 16, 11. And this is where David was fleeing from Jerusalem after his son Absalom was kind of overtook, you know, in a very ungodly way, overtook the throne. And there was a man who was a supporter of, of Saul, the previous king, um, came out and he started throwing rocks at David. Now, when he started throwing rocks at David, um, David's men wanted to just go kill this guy. You know, I mean, this, this guy was like the tailgater, right? And David's men wanted to just get back there and just handle this situation in a physical, uh, violent way. But this was David's response uh, there in the second part of Second Samuel 16 and 11, I guess you'd call 11b and 12, it says, Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing that I am receiving today. I just, I don't know, I just find that another illustration of gentleness being displayed, you see, because David, did he have the power to bring, you know, uh, judgment upon this man? Could he have retaliated? Could he have just gave the order and just said, yeah, go take care of this? Yeah, absolutely, he could, but he didn't. He refrained from doing that. He, in fact, his reasoning was, is just let this guy do what he feels led to do, right? And and let God 
uh, if he wants to bless me in the midst of this. Now, gentleness was definitely something that we struggled with, I think. Uh, for, I'm not saying we as like every individual, maybe every individual here, but last year, 2021, it was tough, wasn't it? It's just all the COVID stuff, all the political stuff, and everything. It was, it was, you just felt so much pressure to pick a side. We were constantly having our buttons pushed. I mean, but think about that. Is if, if we were a master at gentleness, how would we would have responded in this whole political, uh, you know, craziness that went on in the first place? Maybe like David, just like, you know, if they're going to behave that way and, and if they want to you know, bring uh, opposition and throw stones at us, verbal stones at us, then let them be so because if God wants to use that to bless us, he will bless us. And let me tell you something, God is more apt to be able to bless you when you are gentle than when you act out of the opposite. That would be like anger, you know, retaliation, things of that sort. In fact, I kind of think things would have went different even in the election if we would have taken that approach, Right? Um, but here is what it is. Think about that in work, just having that same kind of attitude that David displayed there. If these people at work want to, you know, just pass judgment on me, they want to try to attack me and, and speak mean to me, then let them do whatever they feel led to do. But I'm just going to trust that God's going to use these verbal rocks again to bless me and to do something good for me. And I just love that attitude of David. So the third one comes from Jeremiah 26, 14. And this is where God told Jeremiah to go to the nations and warn them that I'm, a very, I'm very upset at them. I'm upset at their attitudes, upset at their behavior, and that their disobedience is going to come with it some judgment. And so this was Jeremiah's the job is to go let them know the bad news about God's, you know, view of them. And so Jeremiah does that, and these people just react very negatively, and they just want to kill Jeremiah, right? Um, and ultimately they don't because the crowd remembers that, that uh, you mistreat one of God's prophets. It could end up being bad for you. So they still have, are, you know, frustrated, are not frustrated, angry, um, very resentful at Jeremiah and his message. But this was in the midst of them, they were going to kill him, and their, their initial response of wanting to kill him, this was his response. In Jeremiah 26, 14, it says, As for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Now, I, I don't know what tone, you know, is that sarcastic tone that he was using? I don't know, but I kind of feel like that this is another illustration or a view of gentleness being revealed. And the reason is because what is it that we just established about gentleness? Gentleness is meekness, right? And you remember that word, meekness, when, we, when people define that? It's like, it's like this stallion that has all of this strength, but that is uh, controlled by the bridle, this harness. So all of this, all of this power is being, you know, under control, uh, is a picture of meekness. So we know what we've already established is that gentleness isn't weakness. 
When you're gentle, it's not showing weakness. It's showing strength under control. That's the same with humility, right? Humility has that tone about it. I thought of another illustration of just trying to understand this. So those are our Old Testament illustration. A more modern, somewhat modern illustration is John Steinbeck's novel uh, 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 of Mice and Men. You remember that story? I, I remember just parts of it, to be honest with you. I know Lenny is like the main character. He's this really big, strong guy that doesn't know how to handle his strength, right? Because he's a little bit simple-minded. And then George is kind of like his sidekick. He's kind of the brains of the outfit. And, and, and at the beginning of the story somewhat is where they're just sitting along. I don't know if it's a, a lake, a creek, or what, but some body of water. And, and Lenny is playing with a, something in his pocket. And George says, what is it that you're doing? And he pulls it out, and it's a dead mouse. Now, it wasn't dead when Lenny began to first, you know, pet this thing, because one of the things that he, he establishes right off is that Lenny has this kind of like just fondness of things that are soft. He likes to pet things. And so he ends up, though, with his strength. He ends up killing this mouse. As the story goes on, it talks about, you know, there was a, they got to a farm, and they're working on this farm, and there's this dog, this, this puppy that he ends up acquiring. And he just loves, you know, petting this puppy. But this puppy did something. I can't remember if it bit him or reacted in a way he did not like. And his response uh, from that was he ended up breaking the, the puppy's neck or something um, in, the, in the midst of his anger. Um, later, the story goes on. There's this, every, the whole story is about loneliness for the most part, right? But later, there's this woman that is at the farm, and she's just seeking companionship from probably in the wrong ways. But uh, she and Lenny ends up talking there. And I think if it was a barn or something, I can't remember. But, but they're talking, and, uh, oh, I know. And, and so there's this, they're talking over this dead puppy, and she's, you know, he's just finding out that he likes to, stroke things that are soft. And she was just like, I like to do that with my hair. And for the, you know, the next thing you know, he is stroking her hair, but then it scares her. And so she tries to get away from him and in his panic, and he ends up breaking her neck. Uh, the story ends with George being his best friend. And they had these dreams of having their own farm. He ends up finding me alongside this little creek or body of water again and is talking to him, telling him about their dreams, but at the same time ends up shooting him in the back of the head. It's just crazy but, uh, story. But the point of it for us is that Lenny, that is, not, that is not an illustration of gentleness, right? And the reason is that because he has all this power, but he doesn't know how to harness that power. He doesn't know how to use it the way God would want us to use our power. And just think about that through just everyday life. When, when we explode because our button was pushed, when we act like the guy that's tailgating the lady, when, when we behave in those ways, we're not behaving in a godly way. You know, I, we have goats. And we have 
some little baby goats, and we have some yearlings. They're just a year old, but they're almost full-grown. They look like they're almost full-grown. And one of them is a female, and, and her name is Jasmine. And, and there for a while, we could not keep Jasmine in. Once she realized that she could get out of the pen, she would not stay in. We'd keep fixing the pen. I mean, you know, in, in places we thought she was getting out or places we knew she was getting out, and she'd be back out again. And I remember one morning, I was in a hurry needing to get away. And Lori was already gone. I think she went to go see Carrie or shop or something. I can't remember. But, but I couldn't keep this goat in. And Lori's on the phone like, well, you can't leave her out. And you've got to make sure she can't get out. Because if she gets out, she's going to eat all of my flowers. You know? And so I have this pressure on me. This button that is being pushed in my life, Right? And there's anger that is starting. I could just feel it. You ever feel that just coming up in you? And for the most part, I like these goats. For the most part, I just say, oh, I just love having these goats around, you know. But at this point, I hated these goats. And I had these visions of what I was going to do to this goat if it gets out anymore, you know. And I went out and patched it so many times that I can't figure out how she's getting out. And I never did even get away from the house that day because she got out like five times. I, every time I patched it, I'd have to wait, you know, a while to see if she's come out. And here she comes around the barn, you know, somehow she's getting out. And every time I'd go out and get her, like literally it was like five or six times, the first time I was, I think, considerably gentle. You know what I mean? I was just kind of coaxing her that way. She just comes running to me, you know, all in glee, like just bouncing around. But by the fourth and fifth time, I was grabbing her by the horns. I didn't care if those horns came off or not. And the more she pulled, the more I was excited because that just means I get to pull all the more, right? I was so, so upset, so not gentle. Now, I'm telling you my goat story and not my Mike and his kids story because I would be embarrassed if I told you that same kind of behavior, only it was directed towards one of my kids. But unfortunately, they're there too, right? Where you just don't want to be gentle. But anytime, even with the goats, when I behave that way, and I am not, I I mean, nobody's there besides me, the goat, and God, right? But I'm kind of ashamed that I feel that way inside. I'm kind of ashamed that I have this something in me that wants to react totally opposite of gentleness. I know it's wrong. I know that it's not okay, right? And yet I'm, there's a struggle to want to go that way. There's a little bit of me that understands the guy that is tailgating the woman. I don't want to understand it. I want to say that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, like who in their world would have these bumper stickers and behave that way? But it'd be my guess if we all confessed today, we would have those moments that we're not proud of. See, the Holy Spirit is in us to try to guide that, to try to make us feel that guilt, to to try to help us understand that there's a better way. And so when we look, you know, at, at 
David and we look at Moses and we look at Jeremiah, we can look in there's parts in their life that they are that way. And it's easy for us to see that, man, God can bless that. Just like David says, if just leave them at what they're going to do. If they want to hurl stones, let them hurl stones because God can use that to bless me. When we have that attitude, he can. But if we retaliate, then all of a sudden we are now acting ungodly too. And how does God bless something like that? Does he just bless you in the midst of? No, now he's got to deal with you and with them. Uh, and we just end up becoming unlike Christ in the midst of that moment. So I wanted to give you one more illustration so that then we can move on. Actually, kind of two. But I asked Connor if I could embarrass him today. He's like, oh, I guess. And so I was going to see if Connor and Emmett will come up here. And they don't have to say anything. So I got to make sure I word this in a way that Connor doesn't have to say anything because I, I promised him he wouldn't. Uh, I might have Emmett if he wants to, but if he doesn't want to. But, but, but here we got a father and a son. And Emmett, how old are you? Are you two or three? Three. That's awesome, dude. So you're three years old. Is your daddy strong? Yeah, he can, he can carry you, can't he? Can, can you carry your dad? No. Yeah, because you're little. And so here you have... Connor, who is this strong one, right? And Emmett, who is, he's getting stronger all the time. But he, and, and he has a dad that he, he wants his dad to be strong. Because I remember when I was a kid, that that's what I wanted more than anything, is my dad to be strong. You know, do you remember when you were little and you go to school and you start to talk and, my dad can beat your dad. You ever had those conversations? No, my dad could whoop your dad, you know. And so as a young man and and growing up, you just want your dad to have this strength about. But you don't want your dad to use this strength against you. You want this dad to use the strength for you, right? You want your dad to be strong, but to use that strength to protect and to help, you know, guide and, and to help you, you know, achieve the things that you want to achieve. I appreciate it, guys. And, and so this is, this is what gentleness is all about. What, what Emmett wants, even though he may not be able to verbalize it quite like this yet, but he wants his dad to be gentle, right? And what that means is he wants him to be strong, but he wants him to use that strength for him and not against him. And that's what gentleness is. Do you remember who we talked about last week? Samson. He, he had strength, but he had no gentleness. Because he didn't know how to, he's like Lenny. He doesn't know, didn't know how to, to harness that strength under God's authority. He didn't know how to yield. He didn't know how to be humble. And so he wasn't humble. He was the opposite. He was arrogance. And he was like, you're going to serve me or I'm going to kill you, you know, kind of attitude. That's the way God wants us to be. He wants us to be gentle. It tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. For the Lord is near. I mean, God is right there. And through our gentleness, that's when we make God shine. We make him look good. Um, 
I think the ESV, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And that's a good, good thing, too. So gentleness is not weakness. And every, every one of those people that we saw like a glimpse, like Moses and his gentleness, and, and Jeremiah and his gentleness, and, and uh, David and his gentleness, every one of them were in power, right? So they had this power, not just physical power, but, but they had political power. Use it however they want. They could have been, they could have brought down raft upon these people who were throwing stones or throwing wor- verbal stonage, you know, words like in Jeremiah's case when they were threatening them. They could have brought it down upon them, but they didn't. They chose to not do that, not behave that way. And that when we do that, the reason the Holy Spirit wants us to develop this gentleness is because when we do that, we model God. The reason I wanted to go to Jesus because he's the only one I can find in the Bible that was like an expert at this. I mean, it's like Jesus is constantly saying about himself that he is gentle. The, the Bible was always saying about him that he was gentle, and he was. What does that mean? It means that Jesus had all authority, right? He had all this power. He could have brought condemnation at any moment on any situation that he encountered. When the Pharisees did what they did, when the people said crucify, when Pilate did what he did, when any situation, anybody come against him, he could have just brought wrath. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't. He, he behaves in a way that is, is gentle and meek. I want to read to you a couple Old Testament uh, prophecies about Jesus and this gentleness. One is in Isaiah. I don't know that I have this on the screen, and I'm sorry about that, but Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says this. It says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. The Bible is constantly talking to us about Jesus being our shepherd, right? And a shepherd has authority. I know this because I could have done away with Jasmine. I was really tempted. I'm just telling you. Sorry, Jeremiah, but but man, she was making me mad. I had this power to do so. A shepherd has this power. But listen to what Jesus, the shepherd, this is his attitude. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So different than me, right? But this is Jesus. Do you think we upset the shepherd more than Jasmine upsets me? I don't know how we could not. I mean, literally, how is it that Jesus maintains this gentleness about him when we just look in the mirror, when we look in the crowd and see how people behave? We know how this works. And yet Jesus... It says he carries them in his arm and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads them. Here's another one in Isaiah as well, 53, 7. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. A sheep doesn't even know what's coming. 
right? That's what it means. A sheep before his, his shears is silent. Doesn't even know what's coming until it's coming, when it starts. Yet Jesus knew why he came from the moment he arrived. He knew why he came actually before he, he was even sent uh, to the earth. He knew what was coming, and yet this is the behavior, this is the attitude for which he had. He never, he never retaliated. He never opened his mouth. I want to take you to the New Testament and see this as well, because Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Look at this with me for a second. It says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. And we know that leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So really important, right from the beginning, what is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to do within us? He's trying to develop gentleness. Why? Because that was Jesus, our master, our, our shepherd is this way. He wants us to be like him. So even because Jesus suffered, he's he, leaving us an example on how we suffer. When people are pushing our buttons, this is how we are to respond, like he did. How did he respond? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was rivaled, he did not rival in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting him to trusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And what Peter is encouraging there is just the same attitude that we saw, you know, those little glimpses that we saw in the Old Testament where this is the attitude that David had. This is the attitude that Moses had at that very moment. It's not the attitude that Moses always had. It's not the attitude David always had. But it was that moment. It was in Jeremiah. And, and there should be these consistencies in our life. Why? Because we follow the good shepherd. We follow the one who knows all about gentleness, and he teaches us. So we're going to go into our communion time, and I'm just going to run this kind of into it, okay? But as we do, I want us to go to one more scripture. It's actually kind of lengthy, but I want you to see how this gentleness is just kind of played out in a... In a in an environment where Jesus' buttons are being pushed, okay? Um, and I want us to see how it can relate to us as well. So we're going to read through this. In Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of the mighty works have been done. So he had been doing miracles after miracles after miracles, right? In front of these people. Why was he doing it? Because he wanted to convince them that I've come to rescue you, to save you. I'm your good shepherd. And you know how stubborn goats can be? How much more so are sheep? Now, if we were, if we knew, if we like dealt with both of them, just from what I've been told, sheep are the worst, okay? I don't know, but that's what they say. But I'm pretty sure Jesus knows. But he is doing these miracles and these mighty works, and he began to denounce the cities. Why? Because they did not repent. All that Jesus did, all that he showed them, all that he poured into them, they would not repent. And so this is what Jesus says. You think his buttons weren't being pushed? Woe to you, 
Chorazon, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it is it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. And I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Now, he's not saying, thank you for making these people stupid. He's not saying that. He's saying that, that you can give this to little children like Emmett. They can feel and know your presence. They can, they can know about you even as little children. But if these stubborn people are just going to turn a blind eye, it'll be hidden from them. And he's just marveling at how God is able to do this, right? To able, able to not just uh, give this to people who are rebellious and have no desire to follow God, but the people who want to, no matter what their age, they can find it. And so he's explaining this a little bit to his father, God. He just marveled and he says, yes, father, for such was your gracious will. And that's important because that's the reason that I can say what I just said. It is God's gracious will for everyone to come to him. It's God's gracious will for everyone to repent. But Jesus is so frustrated that they won't repent. They should have repented. All these things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone in whom he chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? What does he say? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's like the invitation, right? He's wanted every one of these people to repent. In the Old Testament, there was always this God was bringing judgment on these people because they were so wayward. They were just not repent. But it's not that God would not show um, a desire for them to repent. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, that whole situation? Lot was like, well, what if there's, what if there's a, you know, 50 people here that would you destroy the whole city? And God's like, no, but show me those 50 people. Well, what if there's 30? You know, what if there's 10? In other words, just show me one and I'll save the city. But there was none. And this is the kind of thing, but it's not that God doesn't want there to be some. God wants to rescue people. And Jesus is constantly, come to me if you are if you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because I am the good shepherd. I am gentle. I want to collect the sheep. Now let's move into chapter 12. It says, And at that time Jesus went through the, the grain fields on the Sabbath, and the disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Again, Here's a button being pushed is what I'm getting at, right? And he said to them, Have you not read that David did when he was angry and those who were with him 
how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it, it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Now, a couple things about this. His buttons are being pushed. When Jesus says, I tell you there's something greater that is here, he's pointing to there's some, I am here to rescue. I have the power, the ability to rescue you. But I think there's also the sense that you better watch what you're saying because I also have the power to send you to hell. Isn't that the whole thing, is understanding that God has the power to, to you know, uh, rescue and love and to um, protect and all these things, but he also has, that same God also has the same power to send you to hell if you don't repent. There's this power here. How does God use his power? It says, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have condemned the guilt. You, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and he asked him, it is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? so that they may accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Or how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched, out, stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisee went out and conspired. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So here's Isaiah again, right? And listen to this. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul was well pleased, I put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Listen to this. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentile will hope. This whole section is about Jesus having his buttons pushed, but his response continues to be that of grace, that of invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in spirit. I want to be that shepherd who gathers you up and brings you to my, close to my heart. I want to be that person who, who you know, is, is rescuing you. And, and he's constantly, this is his response in each of these things. But ultimately, it, it, what ends up happening to these people will be their own cho- choosing, right? 
because there's this sense of justice about God. We have to be humble and we have to repent, but isn't that what God wants? So he doesn't use his power to condemn us. He uses his power to rescue us. He uses his power to send Jesus into this world to save us. Why? Because God is humble. Jesus is like his father in the sense that he is humble. The, the, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So there's this God who can condemn, and he could, he could zap us dead silly, right? Any moment he wants. Has all the right to do so, all the justification to do so, but yet he doesn't. And how long will he do this, have this patience, as long as he possibly can? He is still being patient even today. He is wanting to be gentle. He is gentle in his behavior. This, what we do every week, is communion. And it's, every time we talk about these, it's a perfect example of every one of these, Right? But it's a, again, it's a perfect example of gentleness. Because here Jesus is on the cross. And, and they think that they put him there. But what Jesus has taught us from Scripture is that he allowed himself to be put there. That is gentleness, right? Being displayed. In the midst of him being on that cross, what is it that he, one of the things that he utters from the cross is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is a, a good shepherd that's laying down his life for his sheep that would say something like that. And this is all about him being gentle. But, it's, but it doesn't mean that there's not a warning in this. You know, it's just like when he was having his buttons pushed. What was tearing him apart was that they won't, they won't wake up and repent. They won't come to me. Come to me, for I am gentle in spirit. I will pick you up and love you, and I will care for you. And so there's a sense of this, that this is all about gentleness of what he was willing to do and harness his power for our behalf. But there's a sense of invitation along with it for us to come and to accept what he has given us. And then for us to be like him, to be gentle in our dealings with other people. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you so much for what this represents to us. We thank you, Father, for being the absolute perfect example of gentleness, of having all authority, everything under your control. And yet the way that you deal with us is is with such love and tenderness with such a a gentle heart a desire that that you want us to benefit from your love help us to sense that father as we partake of this juice and this emblem today help it also help this also motivate us to be like you father be more gentle. Let the Holy Spirit to develop it in us. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.